Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jamie here. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. So my prayer is that you too would experience his presence and hear his voice for yourself. Please enjoy today's message. Join me in prayer here as we jump in the word. Thank you, Lord, for this day, for all that you're doing in the midst of us and the invitation that we feel to encounter you in a fresh way, to have our hearts in the light. Lord, we're inviting you this morning by your holy light. Would you shine it into our hearts, Lord, that we might see clearly that Our motives can come into alignment with heaven, that our hearts and the purpose that you've called us to could be evident and clearly recognized by ourselves and others. And uh, Lord, that Jesus would be glorified in his body. Father in heaven, that you would glorify your son Jesus in and through this body, this community. And uh, I thank you for that. So we bless this time. Everybody who agreed to that said... Amen. Amen. Hey, if you got a Bible, would you please open to John chapter 11. We are going to spend some time, much like the uh, preparation that would have gone into Passover, um, I would like to spend this day looking at the week prior to when Christ went to the cross. And, uh, and so I, I, this has kind of been my annual practice. This is what um, the rhythm that, that I have chosen to do is I'll, I'll attempt to line up kind of my days with the rhythm that took place right before Christ went to the cross. Uh, it's not a religious practice. I'm not, you know, there's not some form of duty, nothing like that. But I choose to spend time in meditating in the scriptures on the events that led up to the cross before Easter. And so then on Easter, you know, next week, we're going to declare he has risen. And in the midst of that, uh, you have the, the heart option the, to have been on that same journey. And uh, I don't know, I have found that it magnifies a celebration for me. And, uh, and so this, today we're going to uh, take a look at John chapter 11. This is the week before Christ. Um, went to the cross and uh, we're the days coming into it. Um, and a specific story, the story of Lazarus and Lazarus rising from the dead. So a little spoiler alert, he makes it, okay? Um, But I'm going to invite you to take a little bit of a journey with me this morning because I'm going to read it line by line. We're going to look at this chapter, go line by line. I'll make a few comments after each, and uh, as we do that, I really truly believe that the Holy Spirit is going to encounter your heart in specific ways. That what we read and some of the comments maybe will speak directly to your circumstance. Or it might be metaphorical for you. But I, the, my prayer for you this week, and I truly believe this is a time of encounter. A time of encounter. This season that we're in in the body of Christ is a time of encounter. Many stories are coming back from the nations right now of churches, congregations, regions coming into encounter. Uh, we, 
by no means should we be left out of that conversation because we're in the midst of encounter as well. And this morning, as we look at the scriptures, I believe the Lord's going to magnify it to your heart and, and, and provide that invitation and open door for you to encounter today. Are you with me? All right. So would you just say, so be it unto me, Lord. Okay. Every time you say amen, that's what you're saying. So be it unto me. John chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 1. There was a certain man who was sick, Lazarus of Bethany. The village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So a little bit of context. There are several stories concerning Mary and Martha and uh, the experience around their family. They lived within walking distance of Jerusalem on the opposite hill. They were in that kind of zone for the Sabbath day walk. And so it makes sense that Jesus would leave the city of Jerusalem, find himself at uh, Mary and Martha's home. And, uh, you know, from the other stories, we know Martha's a cook and she's making sure everybody gets fed well. And so the disciples would have been fed well when they're at their house. And, you know, this, this, that hosting environment. Well, they show up this day and they, they hear the rumor that Lazarus is sick, the brother. Lazarus was sick. The sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death. Would you repeat that with me? This sickness is not to end in death. That wasn't really repeating, but you got the point there. This sickness is not to end in death. The glory, this is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified in it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I feel like this is repeating it just to make sure that we know, because he's about to tell a story of ignoring Lazarus's pain. Lazarus is sick. They sent word across whatever the region. They had to send a runner. They didn't email. They didn't text. You know, this wasn't easy. They get the word to Jesus. Jesus makes this declaration. This will not end in death. And so it says, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place that he was. Rumor comes back, Lazarus is sick. Jesus makes a declaration. This will not end in death. And then he walked it out. He loved Lazarus. He's not ignoring him. He loves Mary and Martha. He is not ignoring them. The word came, this will not end in death. And so Jesus then walked that out. I don't know if it came as a word of knowledge. I don't know if he just had a moment of faith. I don't know what the, the response mechanism in Christ was in that moment. Did he look up to heaven? Did he go, Father, is this going to end in death? Did he ask a question or did he just bring a strong declaration? This will not end in death. There's some of you here today that you have received declarations from a doctor, diagnosis from a doctor, curses from well-meaning people, declarations that have assigned a limitation to your life. 
A parent who loved you so much, but out of their mouth came flying a statement of limitation on your life. You are not smart. You will not go far in life. You are just a sickly child. You name the declaration that has come over people's lives. Jesus flips the script. Lazarus is actually sick. He's heading in a bad direction. And he makes the strong declaration. This will not end in death. How is your tongue matching up with your faith these days? Talk to me about the economy. Oh, it's bad out there. Right? Oh, it's dark. It's bad. This is going to ruin the fill in the blank. This is destruction for small business. This is, okay. The redeemed say so. What are we saying? Because we are determining some things right now for the season we're living in. And I'd like to call us up higher this morning. I'd like for you and I to make strong declarations that aim towards a redeemed world where the kingdom is ruling and reigning in every aspect where Jesus is Lord over that situation. Mm. I could get some preach up in here. I got to keep going though. If I, man, we will be here till next week. It'll be fine. When we face disaster, it is right to seek the Lord. It is right to look to hear, absolutely. But there is a place for the gift of faith. If the Lord has already paid for something, if he has already set in motion a clear end result, the kingdoms of this world will submit to the kingdoms of our God in Christ. If that already is the end, then our tongues need to start aligning with that. Not as a mechanism of control, but a declaration of faith. Amen? Come on. Elbow your neighbor and say, I think that one was for you, honey. If, it, if it's not a honey sitting next to you, then that probably wasn't the thing you should say. <laughs> I was imagining my wife sitting next to me. There, there you go. This will not end in death. Come on, say it with me. This will not end in death. Verse 7, after this, he said to the disciples, hey, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, last time we were there, they were trying to throw rocks at you. Right? That's not a, <laughs> they were seeking to stone you. That's not a Snoop Dogg invitation. <laughs> They're chucking rocks. Some of you got that, some of you didn't. If my wife was here, she'd be throwing rocks at me right now. <laughs> After this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews there are seeking to stone you. Are you going to go there again? Jesus answered, there's 12 hours in the day. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. If anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. I, I did want to take a moment just to flow with this 
declaration, this thing that Jesus just said there, because it isn't saying what you think it's saying. There are, there's a plain, full-on, just easy interpretation. Yeah, let's go in the day. Let's not go at night. Let's recognize what's going on. These words have meaning behind them, and I want to point to them right now. Okay, the word stumble means to be struck or hit. He's talking about getting stoned. He's not talking about tripping over cobblestone. That's not what's happening here. He's saying if we go in the daytime, we'll see the rocks when they're coming. Whoop, whoop, all right, yeah. Stumble, to be struck or hit. What's interesting about that statement is that the only other times it's used in the New Testament is concerning Jesus being the stumbling block. Jesus being the rock in whom everybody would stumble over because he's the chief cornerstone, because he is the setting in place of the new temple, which is the body. And so Jesus is saying, listen, we, this, it's, a, it's a play on words. We're going there. They can't do anything against this because there's something being established. There's something real. There's something far deeper. There's a deeper meaning to the Passover than just what they experienced in their deliverance out of Egypt. The Christ is about to be offered. Seas. So it says, there's 12 hours in the day. You're going to see. That word see means that uh, it, it's not a picture of what you recognize with your eyes. It is the experiential knowledge of recognizing something. It is the, it's always used metaphorically in the New Testament. It's not about the physical sight. So it's not just, oh, we're going to see a rock when it's coming. It is because there's 12 hours in the day, because we're walking in the light, that word light means something occurs to you in your mind. You click with something, and the word, the word light of the world. You're going to walk 12 hours in the day. You're going to recognize because there is day during the, during the and the, it's the light of the world. That word world means cosmos. It is the picture of this. We will go to Judea, and even though they're trying to kill me, we will know when something's up because of the perfect order of the cosmos that Father has set in, in place, you will discern when something is awry in the atmosphere. You will know when something's not right. Have you ever had that experience? I have a friend who literally was driving towards the bridge in Minneapolis right before it failed he felt inside of him this, do not cross the bridge. Pulled off the exit, went down to a lower road, boom, the thing falls. Something was off in the order of what is going on around you. Something's off. You know what it's supposed to feel like when things are set in alignment, in order. You walk into your house, Okay, we are the parents of teenagers. We have eight children, Nicole and I, okay? Um, there are times we'll walk into our home environment and I don't even need to get a foot into the house and I'll know something's up. Wait, this room is clean. Mm, what'd you do? 
It's too quiet in here right now. Something is going on, honey. Send a runner. <laughs> Get down there. Find out what's going on. Right? Isn't it interesting that we know when something's off? In environments, you're meant to have dominion in. Okay? You are called to steward your life. It's like a garden. Your home, like a garden. Your family, like a garden. Mom, dad, when something's off with your kid, do not ignore it. You know. Ding, ding, ding. Something's happening. This is the experience. Jesus is saying, we're going to walk by day. And we'll come into that environment and we will know when something's up and when it's not. Why? Because we are perceptive. We're tuned in. I want to invite you today to stop causing your senses to be saturated with the world's pleasures. When you're hungry, even the, just, it doesn't even matter what they're serving, you'll eat it. But to someone who's satiated, even something like honey, something sweet, the proverb says, you don't even want it. When we are inundating our senses with binging seasons on Netflix or social media reels or I don't know what it is for you. You know, men used to go off to the woods and blow and shoot things up, right? Like pow, 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 blow things up. I, I don't know what men necessarily are doing in these days because it seems like that's, you know, I don't know. My city, I can't even shoot an arrow in considered a projectile, and I go to jail for it. I don't know what we do now. We go up north, I guess. Guys, if you are, even in the purest of efforts, always distracted, when something's up, you'll miss it. And I think the invitation today is this, simple. Tune in. I know Right now, especially, man, this environment is a little bit like uh, there is a tension in it, and we don't really want to tune in. It's much easier to tune out and just go, no, 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 everything's fine. Hey, but we're living in a day where the believers of God are being strategically positioned to take action, to speak, to be in a place of influence, right moment, right time. Not to flex and control and blow things up but to be in that moment where the word of the Lord can come through you. But if you're tuned out, if you're not tuned in, if you're distracted, if you're inundated, if you are numbing your senses continually, you're going to miss the word of the Lord. And like Jesus said, if you're walking into a situation with your eyes closed, there's a good chance you're going to get taken out by it. Please don't die prematurely. Please, please don't be so tuned out that the moment of influence where God was calling your number to step up and to do something significant that would change everything, you didn't even know it happened. I was reading the story of Samson this morning. It says that when Delilah cut his hair, if you're familiar with the story, his strength left him. It said that the spirit of the Lord left him and he did not even know it. He couldn't tell the difference between when he was anointed by the Spirit of God with might and power and when he wasn't. Do you know the difference between when you are walking in the anointing of the Holy Spirit 
or when you're just doing life. That felt rhetorical. It wasn't. Come on. <laughs> Come on, look at your neighbor right now. Just go, hey, do you know the difference? Because especially if you're sitting next to someone that, do you know the difference that, that you're, you walk with in life, friends with, maybe it's your spouse? I think it's an honest question to ask. I think you should ask it. Do you know the difference when the anointing of God is on your life or when you're just blindly walking through it? Man, I'm not even like four verses in here. All right, here we go. Verse 11. Here we go. He said this, and then after that, so he goes, hey, 12 hours in the day, we're going to Judea. And then he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to go so I can wake him up out of his sleep. The disciples were like, Lord, it's good that he's sleeping. He's going to recover then. And Jesus had spoken of his death. <laughs> but they thought he was speaking about literal sleep. So Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> and I am glad. Now, okay, tone in this statement matters, by the way. And so I'm going to do it in a couple different tones here and see if you can pick up the difference, okay? Lazarus is dead. I am glad for your sakes that we were not there. Lazarus is dead. I was, I was talking about him passing. I didn't use that kind of language, boys, because I had already made this declaration that he was going to live. And so I'm not going to use my words now to undo that. He's dead. But I am really glad for your sake that we weren't there so that you will believe. So let's go to him. I wonder if he was scolding or I wonder if he was pumping them up because they're about to experience something that they could not have wrapped their heads around. And so for their sake, he knows this one's going to be a... Okay, something changed, right? Remember, two days before that, he's like, he's not going to die. And then he hangs out. And then suddenly, I don't, he must have got a word of knowledge. Ding. Transition, season, like he's tuning in. He's not out. He's thinking about things. He feels it. There is a stirring in the force. <laughs> Something where the Lord suddenly becomes aware. Ah, nope, Lazarus has passed. We need to go. Why do they need to go? Because he declared this isn't going to end in death. I need you to keep reminding yourself of this because the declaration actually matters. It's what determined every choice after it. Jesus is not feeling his way through this experience. He made a declaration, this is what's going to take place, and then he lines up his actions to follow through with what he said. I uh, have had several spiritual experiences in my life where my brain totally went on tilt. On tilt, young people, is the statement concerning a pinball machine. Pinball machine used to be a video game that you would have to stand up and actually go to a physical location where they had a bunch of individual TVs with controllers attached to them in a giant box plugged into the wall, and you had to put quarters into it. A quarter is this piece of metal. <laughs> a 
like everything has changed about this. I can't even use the statement anymore. He went on tilt. He, your brain will not pick up on things. There are certain experiences in life, supernatural experiences, where your brain literally will go, that didn't happen. You just skip. Beep. I have had many of these kinds of experiences in my life. I really am talking from firsthand. I, I, I was driving. Oh, man. Sure, why not? It's first service. I was driving on my motorcycle towards St. Peter, Minnesota, out of Belle Plaine. Okay? It's about half hour drive from Belle Plaine to St. Peter. I had just gotten back from a spiritual retreat where I was really like tuned in. I'm doing I and I was so jazzed that I couldn't sleep. And so it was it was after dark, okay? It's like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. I jump on my motorcycle. I, I just tell my wife, I'm like, hey, I need to go for a drive. I'm just, I'm zinging in God right now, okay? So I jump on my bike. I get all, you know, uh, leathers on, helmet on, whatever, and, um, and, and I jump on my bike, and I'm heading towards St. Peter, Minnesota, and I'm praying in the spirit, and that's just like, ooh, right? Okay. I am driving into St. Peter, a half hour away. There is the lights. I'm coming around the long corner. There's the Dairy Queen. There's the, if you know St. Peter, down 169, there. I am seeing it. And then suddenly, I'm pulling into Belle Plaine. I was, uh, this is a true story. I have a picture of right before and right after because my brain was so blown. I was driving 70 miles an hour in a direction a half hour away and then instantly, in a moment, was all the way back in Belle Plaine pulling into my town that I was living at the time. Can I tell you that your brain does not accept that reality? I drove in. I parked the bike in the garage. I, I, I got off it. I just was like, what just happened? In the back of my mind, the Holy Spirit says, you should take a picture of this moment. So I, I go and I get a, uh, back, it wasn't a phone, it was an actual physical camera. <laughs> Young people, physical camera was the thing that, <laughs> this little thing was a separate whole box, and you had to push it, and I set it up on the freezer in the garage, and I hit the thing, and I take the picture, and I go inside, and, and then I'm, you know, I look at the picture later, and it has a timestamp on it. The timestamp had only been 15 minutes. Do you get it? Your brain is it? You're all like, man, nah, it's not true. You can, you know, I, I don't know what your brain is going right now. Probably, right. This. This thing was so on tilt. I couldn't accept it. My brain couldn't accept it. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. I am so glad that we were not there because your brains would not have accepted what's about to take place. You would not have received it. Our first mission trip as THSM, we had a school of ministry here for a number of years, and our first mission trip was to Thailand. We were in an airport on a transition flight, okay? We haven't gone overseas yet. We're still in America. We're in this transition flight. We have a little bit of a layover, and one of our students goes to the restroom, and he's walking to the restroom, and the guy in front of him falls over dead. 
Now, the person that I'm speaking of was an EMT. He was trained medical personnel. He looked at it, assessed the situation, and understood what he was supposed to do. Praise God. Reads down, checks pulse. There's no pulse. This guy's goners. Flatlined. Actually, no pulse. They find one of those devices to strap on and do the electrical thing. Praise God. But in that moment, he sees him, checks the pulse. He starts declaring, in the name of Jesus, you will rise. Starts declaring it over this guy. The crowd's gathering. He's instructing, please pray right now. And then he's doing his little checklist of things. The guy pops out of it, y'all. Comes completely back. They have to take him to the hospital, obviously. Okay, this is a literal experience. Okay, the death happened in that moment. And so it's so easy for your brain to go, ah, it probably wasn't a resurrection of the dead. It wasn't nothing to do with the name of Jesus. It had nothing to do with the absolute ridiculous timing that an EMT is following this guy into the bathroom, that it happened to be a Jesus fire-breathing guy that is going to declare resurrection life over him. Can I tell you, he came back from this experience because all of us are just waiting at the gate. We have no idea what's happening. And he relays to us the experience. This just happened. And he's like, ah, can you believe this? I am not kidding, okay? We were all sitting there like, come on, dude. We couldn't, we couldn't get there. And it happened in front of us, basically. Y'all, I have three or four stories just like this where people have passed away and this church prayed for them and they've come back. Set, okay, no, I just hold on, hold on, hold on. You didn't know what to clap at there. That's fine. It's like that's, the clapping is just about the reality of what Christ has provided for us. That, that the declared truth, you, you, in those moments, there is no other decision. You have to decide, no, this will not end in death. This has to be a faith mechanism, otherwise there is. We have had this happen several times, and every time our brains go, we don't get it. So impossible. Even in this situation right now. There's a couple of you tried to clap. The rest of us are still wondering if your pastor's full of it. Jesus says to them, I am so glad that you're not there. Because something powerful is about to take place in your faith mechanism. They have four days in the grave. Verse 17, Jesus came and he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem. We already talked about this. It's a Sabbath walk. Okay, it's right there. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them. Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him. And Mary stayed at the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And so Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Jesus is pointing not at a future reality, but he is reminding them of the word that he has declared. 
The prophetic word was the milestone. This will not end in death. And then he is holding the line with his actions all the way through. This isn't going to end in death. How do I know that? We declared this before, and we're walking it out. So Martha comes and goes, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus goes, yeah, duh. But, Jesus, if you'll do something right now, if you will take action right now, Jesus, then all this whole thing can be reversed. Many times in my lifetime, we have faced decisions that would define our future as a family, as a church. And each time we come to a crossroads, I will take a little time, especially big decisions, encourage you for the same, that when you face a big decision, instead of looking only at the future and how this could affect your future and how good it could be or how bad and trying to decide from there, take a moment to look back at the prophetic words that God has given you. Take a moment to consider what God has already said to you. Don't just make decisions based off of future hope. Take a moment to analyze why are you where you are at? What got you to that place? God told me to take this job. Praise Jesus. Did he tell you to leave? No. Then why are you considering quitting? See, if you're looking at the future only, you go, oh, that boss, he's in the way. This thing doesn't work. She doesn't like me. The pay isn't good enough. The, and you can stack all sorts of reasons why you would make major decisions. You're getting uncomfortable here. Are you guys okay? Okay. You start to stack all the reasons why you would make a course change. But it's so necessary for you to look at the root system of how you got to where you're at. Take a moment to analyze, why are you there? What sets your feet in motion? Because if you'll look back and you realize, oh no, God told me to be here, and so it makes perfect sense that I would be hitting some resistance. Why? Because I'm here to bring the kingdom. It positions your heart correctly. Jesus looks back at the word, and so should you. I don't know what dreams the Lord has given you. I don't know if someone else has given you prophetic words. Uh, for me, often, these types of words that guide my life, they have come from someone in authority. They have come from my quiet times. They've come straight out of the scripture, a promise I'm facing something, I read the word, there's a very clear response that the Lord is giving. I take the promise, and now it's up to me to hold the line. I make the declaration of this is what God has said, and now I'm going to line up my decisions with what God has said. The waffling back and forth, y'all, is where we get into trouble. This is why you're in anxiety. But so many of the decisions that are in front of us that will define our future, you already made those decisions. There's no reason to revisit them. You already made them. Just line up currently with what you declared previously. I 
That's a good word right there, Pastor Jamie. Good job there. Woo, yeah, okay. I got to encourage myself in the Lord this morning. Lord, I know if you would have been here, you would have done something, okay? Martha does what lots of us do when we are being corrected. We pass on the correction to someone else. Look at what happens in this moment. See, Jesus says to her, hey, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. Martha says, I know that Lazarus will rise in the last day. Jesus says to her, yeah, but I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he turns it on her. Do you believe this, Martha? And she says, yes, Lord, I have believed. You are the Christ. You're the son of God. Even he who comes into the world. So Jesus is correcting her thinking because she says, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. Jesus said, no, I already declared he wouldn't die, and I'm here, and I'm the life. Yeah, but Jesus, you need to do something, and Martha is needing to be corrected here because Jesus doesn't point at the action. He doesn't point at what needs to be done. He points at himself and says, no, I am Not we need to do this and then it's going to result in it. No, no, no. You need to trust that Jesus is the resurrection. And your faith is resting on his identity, not on the action steps. This will make more sense in just a second. Verse 28, when she said this, she went away and called Mary. Why? Because Jesus just spanked her and she's like, uh, right? He corrects her. Martha's the headstrong. We got to do something, right? The sandwiches aren't made. Martha or Mary, why are you sitting at his feet? There's so much for us to do. Do, do, do. Jesus said, No, I need you just to trust, 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 trust. Okay, I should probably go get Mary. <laughs> need to deflect for a moment. She went and she called Mary to her. And saying secretly, the teacher is here calling for you. No, he wouldn't. (laughs) Mary heard it. She got up quickly and came to Jesus. Jesus had not yet come into the village. But he was still in the place where Martha met him. The Jews who were with Mary in the house, consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to go to the tomb. Mary came to where Jesus was, and she saw him. She fell at his feet, and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Sounds like the same statement, doesn't it? Oh, is this a different statement? This is so different. Jesus saw her weeping. The Jews who came were also weeping. He was moved in spirit. He was troubled, and he said, where did you lay him? And they said to him, Lord, come see. And then the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. It looks like Mary said the same thing, but you got to recognize where Martha's coming from and where Mary's coming from. Martha says to Jesus, if you would have just done something. Mary says, no, if you would have been here. Right? One's a statement of belief, and the other one is, I wish you would have taken action. Jesus takes Martha through a process of repentance, calls her to change her confession. I'm the resurrection. Mary's confession 
is that Jesus is so stirred within himself to the point of action. He weeps. He sees Mary in this place of compassion, and Jesus aligns with her belief. He comes into alignment with her. He doesn't correct her. This is, I, I, I feel like we do this. We see people going through something, and we make the assumption that their experience is the same experience that we're having. And so then we give advice or we attempt to lead them in the process that worked for us. But it's so clear that they needed two different things here. Martha really was in a place of unbelief. Mary had already come into this alignment. Man, she anointed Jesus' feet for burial. She already had been in this place. Jesus recognized the compassion. He feels it. He comes into alignment with it. And now we're going to see some fireworks happen. You and I have a calling to walk in the anointing of God. To be compassionate with people. But not to leave your proclamation. Not to depart from the declaration of faith. For the sake of compassion, you cannot abandon your faith. Empathy will take you off course if you allow it. The calling is not to come down to where people are. It's to call people up. There's so much more here, but it's okay. The Jews were saying, look how much he loved him. Yeah, he loved him. Couldn't this man have done something about this? He opens blind eyes. Surely he could have healed him. Jesus was moved within him. Came to the tomb. It was a cave. There was a stone laying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. I feel like that's like a Lord of the Rings moment. Remove the stone. Martha the sister of the deceased says, Lord, he has been in there. This is going to stink. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? See, Martha again goes back to the reasonings. Ah, I don't know if we should do this. Ah. Jesus, hey, didn't we just have this conversation? They removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I'm saying it, so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who had died came forth, Bound hand and foot with wrappings. His face was wrapped up around with the cloth. And Jesus said, unbind the dude. Come on, what are you doing? Let him go. Question. Look at this. Question for you. Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. What's he talking about? He's not talking about his prayer. Thanks for hearing my prayers. No, no, it's... 
thanks that you heard me when I first said this all the way back six days ago. This isn't going to end in death. You always hear me. He always hears your declarations of faith. Your words matter. They come before the king. Thanks that you heard me, Father. I'm saying this again right now, though, so that everyone around me can come into belief because I said it six days ago, and I'm just living according to the declaration. I am holding the line, and look at what is the result. I wonder how many times we have second-guessed a decision that we had already made years ago. You had already made previously, but we're asking the question again as if it's up for debate. Can I ask you something? When you said, I do, and covenanted to another person, did we invite you back to the table to renegotiate and ask the question, should we or should we not follow through with this declaration and oath before the Lord? Some of the reason that we end up in torment in covenant relationships is simply because instead of following through, we're approaching it as if it's a new conversation. Friends, the Lord has made some declarations over your life, promises. Hold to the line. You made a commitment before him? Hold to the line. Oh, he'll forgive me if I break my commitment. Yeah, he'll forgive you. But do you understand that you also will then suffer through consequences? <laughs> okay. Lazarus, come forth. Can you imagine Lazarus? I want you just to put yourself in these shoes, and then we can land this plane, okay? It's the end of the story anyway. Lazarus is sick. He's miserable. You ever been so sick you feel like you're going to die? Well, that's Lazarus. <laughs> he is miserable sick. They send word to Jesus, his friend. He knows that in a word, Jesus could pop him out of this. He's in the middle of his own storm. He's in pain, and he's miserable, and he recognizes that if he passes away, there's going to be serious consequences. Why do we know that? Because in this society, women didn't have representation unless it was through a man. Lazarus is the only way that Mary and Martha have a future. Their inheritance in the land is attached to Lazarus, not them. Lazarus feels the pressure of, I cannot die. He feels the pressure of the love and connection with people. He doesn't want to die. He's sick. He's facing this. I sent word to Jesus. We prayed, Lord, please intervene. And then he goes into this sickness deeper and deeper until he actually dies. I don't know the state in the in-between when Christ raises him four days later and when he passed. doesn't speak to that. But what I can tell you is this, that when Lazarus suddenly hears, hey, you in the cave, come on out. 
that Lazarus suddenly comes to his senses and goes, man, something stinks in here. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> right? Jesus like, can someone please help a brother out? Like, would you please do something, right? Don't just stand there looking at them all wrapped up. How does your heart deal with the fact that you prayed and you called out to the Lord, and from the outside it appears that he didn't even hear you? I know you're going through some stuff, but I wonder if we trusted the original declaration that it would settle things on the inside of us. And that you wouldn't be tormented in the process. If you just trusted, okay, the Lord said that. We're going to walk this out. From the outside, it appears that the whole thing falls apart and fails, except for Jesus keeps his word. And I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. That if you will hold the line, the scripture is very clear that in your asking, in your declarations of faith, if you do not repent, if you do not go back, the thing will come to pass. Friends, faith is powerful. Our alignment with the Father's purpose and trust in what he says, when you come into alignment with that stuff, when you grab hold of it and you go, nope, God said that. I'm not moving from it. I'm not coming into conversation around it as if we're going to change our mind. I trust him. And when you hold that line, you will line your actions with it. I bet it was uncomfortable for Christ. I bet there were several points where people are asking and questioning what he was doing, his choices. And he went, nope, settled issue. We're not even talking about this. Hold the line. Jesus can take situations that are completely and totally lost causes and with a word suddenly transform your future. Lazarus comes limping out after he's been resurrected and then he needs people to help him get unwrapped. Just a side note here. If the Lord's ever done something powerful in your life, please don't isolate yourself after that. I don't know why we do this, but God talks to us and there's a moment in our life that's powerful and then we assume that we have it from there and we don't need people. And so Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Impossible situation turns around and then he's stuck in grave clothes and he needs people to help unwrap him. I kind of wonder if the Lord hasn't done some really significant things in our lives and then we went, ah, got it from here. And the Lord brings people around you to help you finish the process, to help you come out of the baggage. We need help sometimes. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Just because you got saved doesn't mean you're not facing depression currently. Just because you got saved doesn't mean that oppression and demonic things don't come after you. It might be good to have some friends praying with you might be good to have some outside counsel and getting you out of the grave clothes and the mindset of death. Sometimes we just need somebody to tell us, hey, this isn't going to end in death. You alive this morning? 
And the last verse. There were lots of Jews who came to Mary and saw what Jesus had done, and they believed in him. But some went to the Pharisees and told them the things what Jesus had done as an accusation. When supernatural stuff happens, there's two responses. It's either going to cause you to believe or it's going to cause you to accuse because you can't stay neutral. When Jesus resurrects your life and you tell people about it, when you experience sight, when you experience his love, when you experience the supernatural power of God, your explanation to people isn't going to satisfy. They're either going to believe or they're going to think you're crazy. Life and death, the power of your tongue, life and death is the aroma that you give off. Would you stand to your feet today? As you do so, I, I want you just to, to put a hand on someone's shoulder near you, or if it's your spouse, maybe you can hold their hand. If you're all by yourself, come on, pull up next to somebody. I don't want you to be alone right now as we're going to pray. I want you to make this declaration over them, okay? So you got somebody, a partner in crime there. I want you to declare this to them. You will not die. You shall surely live and see the goodness of God in your lifetime. God is a God of the turnaround. Come on, declare it. He's the God of resurrection. This shall not end in death. I know it doesn't look good. I know it doesn't look good. The Holy Spirit of God is with you and he is for you and he is moving on your behalf. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Come on, tell your soul this morning, keep my eyes on Jesus. Believe. Don't get over-focused on trying to figure out and accomplish the things. So many people get disillusioned when it doesn't go their way. Don't do it. Put your faith in Christ. We all face situations where circumstances don't look good. There's opportunity for disappointment. But God can take even the worst of situations and turn them for good. Trust him. Trust him. Give room for him to correct the motive of your heart, correct some stuff on the inside. Give room for that. Keep your eyes on him and watch as he is faithful to his word. Holy Spirit of God, you are among us and moving on our behalf. Father, even as we intercede for each other and bring that declaration of faith this morning, I thank you that you are rebuking the devourer. That in every situation that the shout of the king is over our lives, that we are not cursable. That we are not those who suffer the injustice of evil. That we are those who overcome by good. That we are those who possess the divine right of mercy because of what Christ has done for us. And so we freely give what he has given to us. I thank you, Holy Father, that you are moving on our behalf in this day. 
God, I want to remind you of some promises you've declared over the state of Minnesota. First of all, Lord, that you declared over the state of Minnesota. We're talking 30 years ago. I was, I remember the words. I am agreeing with them today. This church is established on these prophetic words. And that Minnesota would be a state where abortion would not have any place in. That Minnesota would be a place of family prospering and revival and God moving in our land. That it is a revival state. It's a first fruit state. That what God is doing in our nation, He initiates in Minnesota. Lord, I thank you. God, I want to remind you of some of the promises that you've declared over us as a people. God, that the Minnesota River Valley is one of the harvest fields for the Billion Soul Youth Harvest. That, that you have redeemed, Lord, this land and you've set it apart and you're calling us as a people to step into that gap and see, Lord, and to recognize and experience your supernatural power as the next generation becomes connected with your purposes and comes into the kingdom. God, I thank you that you've given us the promise that if we'll turn our hearts towards our kids, Lord, that you'll redeem them and, and break the curse off their lives. God, I thank you that love always wins. I thank you that your mercy removes injustice. I thank you, God, that you are for us and not against us. Lord, there's so many other promises. Church, there are so many promises. And although in this moment we might feel or see darkness, or think, how can these things be? Lord, we hold the line. Church, hold the line. Don't get caught up in the weird little skirmishes. Don't get stuck into the patterns of injustice and unforgiveness. No, no, no. Continue to declare mercy. Continue to move and walk according to his ways. Don't abandon them. The Lord's deliverance is at hand. Holy Spirit, would you come and have your way? Come and have your way. Come and have your way. Remind every heart, Lord. Remind each one of promises that you've given to them. Help, Lord. Help us to align our tongues with those promises. We agree. And then we hold the line and watch the salvation of our God come and move on our behalf. I thank you for these things. Now, I bless you, church, uh, a mighty people, an awesome people, the power of God on your lives to do great things. I bless you today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep and protect you, that you'll know the atmospheric change when it happens and you'll dodge the rocks as they come, that he would keep you that his face would be towards you, you would experience his favor, you would know what it's like to live under his smile. He'd be gracious to you, grant you grace in every circumstance that you will be able to do what he's asking you to do and that you would live and extend his kingdom through peace. I decree this today in Jesus' name. And if you dare to agree with it, you said. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord this morning? Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It's our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or share it with friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love to connect you with our community. 
please visit us at iTheHouse.org for more information. We'll see you next week.